Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to review all the position groups and give out some grades. Sands is going to stop by to talk about some of the Bengal free agents and who we should resign and who we shouldn't. We're going to go over some Bengals headlines. And I'm also going to review the Hobson's Choice questions from the Bengals.com website and give my opinion on the answers. This episode is the first episode of Season 3, so I'm looking forward to another great season. And we all know it's going to be a great season for the Cincinnati Bengals as well. What's up, Bengal Nation? This is Adrian the Mad Backer Ross, and you're listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. Who day? Cincinnati Bengals fans, I would like to introduce Frank LaPlaca. Not going to lie, I'm missing football already. I don't even know what to do with myself on Sundays. Yeah, I made a big chore list. I guess things that I need to take care of that I've been putting off for months. So that's one of the things I'm going to be doing. I also got to plan a whole bunch of episodes for the podcast, so I got a lot of good stuff coming for you guys. I'm just happy that the Bengals played through mid-February, so that's a gift from previous years of being done by January, you know, another four weeks or so of Bengals football, so I can't complain. You know, I'm happy. It was a great ride this season. And you know, it's going to be a busy few weeks for the NFL, and before you know it, we're going to be back in business. You have the Combine coming, then we have free agency, the draft, and then voluntaries, and then eventually mini camp, training camp, the whole deal, preseason games. Next thing you know, we're lining up in the beginning of September to head towards another Super Bowl run. And when you think about it, within the next 60 days from now, our roster is going to have a totally new look. We're going to bring back a bunch of players, but we're going to draft some players. We're going to bring in some free agents. So it's going to be an exciting two months for Bengal fans, and we'll see how we shape this roster and get ready to repeat in 2022. All right, so let's go over some current headlines. There's really not a lot going on right now. It's kind of the wind-down period of the season. I guess the first headline I wanted to go into is Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins are changing their numbers to single digits. Boyd is going to wear number three. Higgins is going to wear number five. You have Chase at one. I've heard the joke on Instagram. That's the 513. That's the Cincinnati area code. So you never know. You might see them get pegged with the 513 as the nickname for these guys. Hey, whatever they want to do, I know they have to buy out their jerseys, whatever's left over. You know, I give credit to Boyd and Higgins for wanting to do that. They got their single-digit number, and everyone's going to know number three and number five, and we all know number one already. Logan Wilson just had surgery on a torn labrum. I give him credit. I mean, he came back and played the last quarter of the season and all into the playoffs with a torn labrum. That's tough for a linebacker because you're making hits with your shoulder, you're dragging guys down with your arms. It's There's so much torque and pressure going against that injured labrum that I just give him credit for being so tough. I know they probably shot it up. Hopefully there wasn't too much damage of him playing like that. But here he is, surgery, right when the season ends. Great idea. He'll be back in action next year. He's a player on the rise. We'll talk about him a little bit later. But speedy recovery, Logan, and thanks for a great season, my man. We re-signed Trent Taylor, which means that he's probably going to be the punt returner heading into next season, and he did a great job at the end of this season, so good signing, and it's only the beginning. Once free agency starts, you're going to see a lot of our own players get signed, and you know we're going to chase after a couple big-name free agents as well. Rennell Wren signed with the Eagles. You know, sometimes your draft picks don't work out. For every fourth-round Geno Atkins, you know, you're going to get a Rennell Wren 
or an Andrew Billings or even back in the day a Javon Langford, you know, guys that you pick them in the fourth round, you're thinking that you got a steal and they just don't pan out for you. Rennell Wren worked really hard. If you look at his Instagram, he was working out with Mike Daniels during the hotel lobby, you know, doing pass moves on each other and you can't blame his work ethic. The only problem was he had a hard time getting on the field with all the injuries. And it was a case of with Rennell Wren, when we were going into the playoffs and we were really short bodies at the defensive tackle position, he got hurt when he played against the Browns, so he wasn't available for us when we really needed him. So, you know, whatever. His Bengal career was kind of a wash. At least he's out of the AFC. Let him do what he wants in the NFC. Good luck to you, Rennell. But it is just a reminder that, you know, you, you draft seven, eight, nine guys every year and they don't always pan out. Ricardo Allen retired this year, so you know what? He got to play in the Falcons in that crazy Brady Super Bowl. He got to play with the Bengals in this crazy Super Bowl run. So nice career for him. He's probably going to get into coaching down the road. He helped us out this year. You know, when there was injuries or any kind of holes, he was in there. You know, he played that extra safety in place of linebacker a bunch. As the season went on, we saw him less and less. But thank you for your service and enjoy your retirement, Ricardo. And then some coaching staff additions. Al Golden, linebacker coach, is now gone. I think he's over at Notre Dame. That's what happens when you have a Super Bowl team. Your coaching staff starts getting purged, and you know now he's moved on to Notre Dame. I think he's the defensive coordinator there, if I'm not mistaken. So you know, good job to him. And in return, we bring in James Betcher as the linebackers coach, and everyone's real excited about that. He spent five years as a defensive coordinator. He's worked with Coach Anarumo with the Giants. So it's good when you have these guys as positional coaches that were actually coordinators at at some point because they have such an overview of the defense and they see how all the levels work together. And now the responsibility even shrinks a little bit. So say, you know, you're a defensive coordinator for five years, big responsibility. Now you're just coaching linebackers. So you can bring in all that knowledge and all that experience with a lot less responsibility. Everyone on the staff is really excited about bringing him aboard. So, you know, we have a young linebacker group that's on the rise. You know, maybe he's going to be the difference in getting some of these guys into the Pro Bowl. So welcome aboard, Coach Betcher. And Coach Jackson, Steve Jackson, has left. I liked him. Good coach. Did a lot for that secondary. Now we're bringing in Charles Burks, which I don't know a lot about, but I read an article, and he's a very cerebral coach. He was also a defensive coordinator in college. You know, kind of a younger coach on the rise, so everyone's excited about bringing him to the staff. And then lastly, Derek Frazier is going to be an offensive line assistant. He spent 21 seasons coaching in college, so that's a good resume to be around that long. And he also worked with Coach Pollock with the Jets, so another familiar guy. Our coaching staff is bringing in guys with a lot of experience and guys that they've worked with before, so there's chemistry there. There's a familiarity which will help when they come aboard this this coaching staff. So all good stuff. You know, Coach Betcher, Coach Burks, Coach Frazier, welcome aboard. It looks like you guys are going to be enhancements to the staff, and it's only going up from here. And as far as awards go, I'm going to give my awards. I mean, who am I to do so, but that's just what I do. So without further ado, here are the Cincinnati Bengals awards for the 2021 season. Team MVP, obviously Joe Burrow. It does not go without Joe Burrow. We don't go to the Super Bowl without Joe Burrow. We're not going to be a dynasty without Joe Burrow. And you saw, I mean, you put him out of the lineup, and we're probably struggling to be a 500 team. You put him in the lineup, and there we are three points away from winning the Super Bowl. 
Offensive Player of the Year, and you can't give the same guy two awards under my system. So this goes to Jamar Chase. Difference maker. If we didn't draft Jamar Chase and we did draft Penny Sewell, we would not have gone to the Super Bowl. He was a major factor in this offense. You know, if you think about it, without him, you would have had Boyd and Higgins out there. Number three was kind of a question mark. They would have doubled probably both of those guys. The offense wouldn't have been half as successful as it was. He took the top off of defenses. He made big plays and big moments. He was one of those players, every time he caught the ball, it was so exciting. And he's going to be so fun to watch in the years to come. Rookie of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year for the NFL, Pro Bowler, and definitely our Offensive Player of the Year. Congratulations, Jamar. Defensive Player of the Year is Trey Hendrickson. Pro Bowler, what, 14 and a half sacks or something, plus the playoffs, just went off the hook. In my opinion, our greatest free agent acquisition of all time. He came in with a fire. He played four quarters of tough football. Lots of production, lots of game-changing plays. Without a doubt, our Defensive Player of the Year. What a great pickup. Looking forward to what he's going to be doing for us next year. I mean, he's just beginning on this journey. He's going to be a great player for a long time. And then Coach of the Year, Coach Taylor. Getting this team together, almost winning NFL Coach of the Year being the offensive coordinator and taking leaps and bounds, making the second half adjustments on offense, getting everyone to play with unity and just a unified team that all cared about each other and put in maximum effort, definitely our coach of the year and should have been the NFL coach of the year. Hobson's Choice Questions. All right, as you guys know, this is one of my favorite segments. This is where I review the Hobson's Choice column from the Bengals.com website, and I give my answers to the questions that readers submitted. And this is the usual wrinkle. I have not seen these questions ahead of time. I'm literally looking at them and reading them for the first time with you guys now because I want my answers to be off the cuff, organic, and first thing that comes to my mind. So with that being said, here are my answers to the Hobson's Choice questions. Okay, question number one. What do you believe is this team's biggest priority in the offseason? That's a very simple one. I'm not going to prolong the point. Offensive line. And you're going to hear me say this a lot in the offseason. I think that we need three to four new offensive linemen. I, I, there was After the Super Bowl, I was saying we need five new offensive linemen. That's probably a little bit unrealistic. And maybe they can get some production out of Jonah. Maybe they bring back Spain. Maybe Reef. I don't know what they're going to do there. But I firmly believe that you need a center, another guard, and another tackle. And I'm a fan of bringing in free agents at those positions so there's no mystery, there's no learning curve. You're getting guys that can play in the NFL right now. You know, sometimes it doesn't pay to take the chance. You know, Jackson Carmen will see what's up with him, but you figure, oh, a second rounder, you know, we can put that guy in as a starter. And if you go back to some dark history in our drafting, look at Ogwehi and Fisher First and second round tackles, they didn't pan out. So you never know what you're going to get in the draft. Grab the best center, the best tackle, and the best guard and let the salary cap sort itself out. There's other teams that are able to do stuff like that and make it work. There's no reason why we can't. So get three free agents and then draft one or two. Bring in five guys, bring in six guys. 
just help this unit because this unit, if they play like they did this year, is Joe Burrow's going to have a four or five year career and we're going to be talking about Greg Cook comparisons. All right, you know that's a touchy topic for me. I'll stop about the offensive line. So next question. I don't think the offensive line is as bad as it appears. They need improvements on the interior, but to me in the playoff run, the real issue was the red zone offense. How do you think they can get better in that area? It was the offensive line. You can't give a pass to them, unfortunately. You know I want to. Guys, I want to root for them. I say it all the time. I don't like dissing on our guys. You know, there's guys out there that try hard, that care so much about the team. They're spectacular athletes. I can't do what they do. So it's, you know, it's easy to sit in your ivory tower and criticize. But, man, it was the offensive line. The offensive line was as bad as it appeared. But let's not argue that point of the the question anymore. Fixing the red zone, I didn't think we were that bad in the red zone. What what it comes down to in the red zone, you're, you're in a shrunken area of the field, so it's there's a lot of defenders in, in the area, so it's hard to find openings in that. But I think what you can do, if you want to have personnel adjustments, I think you get a marquee tight end. Man, I would love to have Mike Gesicki here, but I think that the Dolphins are going to franchise tag him. I think if you put Gesicki here with another couple offensive linemen you're you're going to the Super Bowl and probably winning it so I think a a dynamic tight end would be a big answer in that red zone and then you want to use your big receivers you want to use you know the corner routes work well sometimes I don't like it when there's only one option so I I think the play calling there you could have multiple options on rollouts where you have a guy going to the corner but you got some things underneath you make them say are we going to cover the quarterback or cover the wide receiver right in front of us there's a lot of things you can do schematically have multiple options. Throwing to the tight end always works, even if it's not a marquee. You know, you do the play action, the tight end comes across the formation. That's always a winning play in the red zone. So it comes from a few things. You get your tight end, you, you throw the jump balls to the wide receivers, and you have multiple options in your play calling. I would say that's my opinion on how to be more successful in the red zone. But I don't think it's a major problem. I think a lot of teams struggle with it, and we have enough playmakers on offense where it's not going to be a factor. It's... It's not going to be something that keeps us from winning championships. All right, next question. What solid offensive linemen are looking to join the Bengals culture, and what is the upside and potential grading out with the group we have? I don't know who wants to come here, who doesn't, but I know that most free agents out there want to play with Joe Burrow because they want to play with Tom Brady. They want to play with Aaron Rodgers. They want to play with Peyton Manning. You know, Take your pick of generational quarterbacks, which Joe Burrow is. So take your pick of the free agents out there. I'm sure any one of them would love to be blocking for Joe Burrow. And Armstead seems like a good bet. They're talking about Kappa or Jensen from the from the Buccaneers. You have Brandon Sheriff out there. There's a few guys. Um, you got the Ben Jones, the center from the Titans. There's a few guys out there that look like they'll fit. We'll talk about them more when we dive into the other team's free agents, which we're going to do in the next episode. But regardless, there's a lot of guys out there that will help and want to come here. As far as the upside and potential on the guys that we have, all right, if you want to look at the bright side of all the young players, I mean, Jonah is has a pedigree from Alabama, and he's a top 10 pick in the draft. So obviously he has potential. Adenogy has great feet. He's strong. He's a hard worker. There could be an upside there if, if you know we develop his game more. Jackson Carmen is as strong as an ox, was great in college, once they figure out the spot to put him and he, he gets healthy from that back and a little more NFL experience, there's an upside there. 
I thought Deontay Smith had a decent year when he was in there in, in limited doses. So I think that he could be another player. He's got the size, too. A little bit of a later pick in the draft, but someone that they could develop there, too. Trey Hill has that classic center frame. Another very strong guy. Maybe another year or two in the NFL will help him develop. So there are upside for the younger players. It's just that they have to achieve that. They have to... It probably takes a little bit longer for an offensive lineman to bust out than, say, some of the other positions. But I always say with players, you, you kind of know right away if they're going to pan out. All right, next question. All these questions are offensive line related, so that shows that's what's on all of our minds, and I respect that. I'm glad that the fans know, man, that wasn't good enough last year. How are we fixing this? So next question is, is Carmen our future at guard or OT? Do we expect to re-sign Reef? How about center? All right, let's quickly go over those. Carmen, we don't know what's going to happen with him. I, I still think he's a tackle that they fit into the guard position. And again, back surgery, battling that all year. Jury's still out. He's not a lost cause. We'll see what happens with, with Jackson Carmen. That's the best I can give on that. Do we expect to resign Reef? I almost think they're not going to. They're probably going to want to use that money to sign a younger player. But if they can get him fairly inexpensively, he would be a great number three tackle for this team. And how about center? I think that Trey Hopkins is now going to be our backup center. I, even though he didn't get a fair shake because of the knee injury, I think they're going to be looking to add either you know the best center in the draft or one of the top centers out there. And now you're going to see Trey switch back to that swing backup center, backup guard role. All right, next question. The real killer in the Super Bowl was the attempt to get the first down in the first quarter. They got the ball at midfield and pushed it to a TD. A punt near the end zone would have given them the ball inside the 10 or 20. Retrospect? Lynn S. Marshall asked that question from Cincinnati. Lynn, yeah, I hear you. I mean, it's a case of live by the sword, die by the sword. We were an aggressive team on fourth down all year at midfield. We're in the Super Bowl. You're playing against a really tough defense, and you're saying, you know what, we're a yard away right now. We get this. All the momentum in the world is ours. We don't. I have enough confidence in our defense. So I get the decision. Was it early in the game to do that? Yeah, but that's what we did all year. And to go against that might have might have showed the players that were playing scared and playing conservatively. Maybe that's a strong statement. And I'm I'm more of a percentage guy than that. Like I would if I was the head coach, I would have punted the ball, truthfully, because I just like to play the percentages when it comes to the NFL rather than gamble, and that's why I'm not an NFL coach, and that's why Coach Taylor is a candidate for Coach of the Year. So, although I would have done differently, I have no problem with them doing what they did. They were trying to get the ball rolling, because, I mean, if we got that, it, the ball would have been rolling right downhill in our favor. During the Super Bowl, why did Cincinnati continue with the same pass defense when Stafford had all day to search the field and pass the ball, completing most of his passes? Any quarterback could have succeeded with that pass defense. Strong words. I mean, when it doesn't go right, you're going to have complaints about it. When it goes right, you're not going to have complaints. What what I felt they did wrong was that they were covering Cooper Cup at times with a linebacker and a safety and not shadowing him with a woozier or having a corner in his face constantly. I would have made it harder for him to get off the line, but I don't think it was a case of the defense being schemed up or playing poorly. You know, we had the mental lapse on the one touchdown by Eli Apple, but at the end, 
it was just Cooper Cup, best receiver in the game, doing his thing and marching downfield. I was wondering what people in the building think about moving Jonah Williams to right tackle. It all depends what you get at left tackle, but I agree with it. The problem is this, though. When you typically look at right tackles, at least the great ones in our history, they've all been maulers, you know, bigger guys, the 320 and up guys that are really powerful in the run game. But as it becomes more of a passing league, I guess you could use a more skilled, quick guy out there. It just, I, I don't know if Jonah really has the body type to play right tackle, but if they get Armstead or they draft a superior left tackle, you could see Jonah kick over to right. As a matter of fact, you will see Jonah kick over to right because the Bengals love him and they want him in the starting lineup. And I personally would like to see a more stout left tackle in there. So I guess we're going to go with that this year. X's and O's with Sands. All right, we're here with Sands. Sands, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Frank? All right, my friend. I know there's no football going on right now, but I wanted to talk to you about the Bengals free agents. And what I'll do is I'll name a guy, and you tell me if you think the club is going to take him. And if you have a different opinion than what you think the club will do, obviously, if you want, speak on that as well. So free agent number one, Riley Reef. I feel 50-50 on if the Bengals bring him back. It's possible. I don't know they're playing for offensive line, but, I mean, he's a veteran that's pretty solid, and he'll probably be pretty cheap still. But I don't think he wants to sign and be a swing tackle, even though some people think that that's a possibility. Me, if you're going to swing big on the offensive line, I can see bringing him back. If you swing big on the interior, I mean, if you sign up Ryan Jensen and uh, Lakin Tomlinson or something like that, that I could see bringing back Riley Reef to fill that out because while there's a lot of cap space, it does spend pretty quickly when you're bringing in guys that are going to cost $12, 15000000 million. So I could see bringing them back, but uh, I'm not sure if they will. 50-50. Yes, and I agree with you on him. I would only bring him back if he was willing to be that number three tackle and at a discounted price. I wouldn't want re-signing Riley Reef to affect us getting one of those big ticket free agents out there. All right, another big one for you. What about Larry Ogunjobi? Oh, that's another 50-50 on the club because I feel like they could bring him back. I'm not sure what his market's going to be. He's had a career high in pressures and quarterback hits and sacks, but Pro Football Focus didn't like him, and sometimes teams are going to weigh that and uh, kind of inconsistent on the film. But he is really talented. I think if he was in the Super Bowl, the Bengals' defense would have looked even better because he would have had the advantage on – I think all three of those interior spots, if they could single them up. So 50-50, I would personally probably bring him back, provided it doesn't cost more than $6, 7000000 million a year. I don't know if he'll cost that much. Not Certainly not an expert in that field, but uh, I think he's a good player. I think he's one of the better – I think people look at uh, defensive tackle, pass rusher. We need a pass rusher defensive tackle, but Larry Ogunjobi is – a good pass rushing defensive tackle. He's just not Geno Atkins. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he had a great year. I think he's a great asset to the team. And I do think what you said, that his market value is going to go up. I'm really hoping that they do bring him back. What about CJ Uzama? Oh, I'm pretty sure he's coming back. Although the tight end market is looking crazy. Ian Thomas is signing for, I think, eight plus million dollars a year. Uh, David Njoku wants $10 plus million a year. If CJ Uzama wants over $10 million a year, I don't know if he comes back. 
but I feel like he's not going to cost that, and he'll end up coming back, I think, around $8 million a year or so, which to me is probably still a little bit more than you want to pay for your fifth option on offense. But he's a good locker room guy and pretty solid player. Personally, I don't know if I bring him back. I, I Because you see all the free agent tight ends, and you think, well, for CJ Uzama's price, maybe we could get both Gerald Everett and uh, Mo Ali Cox or something, and then you don't have to worry about tight end two. And I don't know if you'd have that much of a drop-off. But a lot of the locker room stuff, he's a great leader in the clubhouse, all that. So I don't know. I feel 50-50, but I think the Bengals bring him back. I do agree with you. Based on how much of a motivating force that he was in that locker room, I think they're going to bring him back for that reason. But you're right. I don't I don't know if you want to be paying him $8 million plus million a year. That's It just doesn't seem like the best use of cap space. So I guess we'll see what they're going to do there. What about Josh Tupo? I don't think he comes back, and personally, I don't think I'd resign him. I don't know how much you lose on the 10 snaps he plays if you put in Tyler Shelvin and try to develop the young guy. Great point, and I think that Tupo had a great year this year, really, in that rotational role, but you're right. He's going to cost too much money for too few snaps, so I totally agree with your analysis there. All right, here's here's one for you. What about Vernon Hargraves? No, he lost his chance at coming back when he came off the bench in the Super Bowl. <laughs> exactly right. I, I thought... If that was happening mid-season, they would have waived him. I, I really feel that's, that's almost a waivable uh, crime on his end. So I, I agree. I don't think they're going to bring him back. They took a flyer on him. His career really hasn't panned out, and they thought maybe they would strike gold like they did with Apple and Flowers, but you know it kind of didn't work out with him, and he made a major blunder at a very bad time to make a major blunder. What about Kevin Huber? I think fans have theorized he's going to retire, but I bet he comes back for one more season. If they won the Super Bowl, maybe he would have retired, but I'm not sure. I think he's back. Yeah, I think so too. And I know they keep bringing Drew Crispin on and off the roster, and it seems like that may be the guy of the future. But it seems like Huber still has a little bit left in the tank, and they're probably going to get him for not really much more than $2 million. So for a veteran punter... And, you know, a guy who's from Cincinnati, I don't think it's a bad idea to, to bring him back for a year. Uh, a big one here, quarterback position. What about Brandon Allen? Personally, I think he comes back on a cheap deal. I think that they like him as the backup quarterback. Um, I don't know what you get on the field. He had that one game against the Texans that was throwing flamethrowers. But other than that, he's been a backup quarterback. And uh, But, I mean, there's a lot of duties to back up quarterback that are almost like uh, an assistant quarterback coach. So maybe Burrow likes having him around to help cut up tape and watch the film and all that stuff. Yeah, I agree with you there as well. I think that he's like Burrow's almost like player-coach kind of deal, and that's his most valuable asset. It's just that, I mean, when he went in this year, he just didn't look good. I know he, you're right. He did have that great game against the Texans, but he was pretty, pretty below average last year, and not that great when he went in for the one game this year. So I don't know. You're right. He's probably as cheap as any veteran that you're going to get out there. And I don't know, you know, I don't think Jake Browning's ready to come up and be the number two. So that would mean it's either sign Brandon Allen, who's familiar, chase another veteran who you're not familiar with, or draft a quarterback. And, you know, we know anything after what the third, fourth round on a quarterback is a real crap shoot. Okay. Yeah, we saw that with Ryan Finley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, here's the biggest one of them all, and this is what's on everyone's mind. What do you do with Jesse Bates? How much do you – I know you're not a capologist, but what do you feel his, his market value is, and you know how do we proceed with this quality defensive player? 
personally, I'm signing him to a long-term deal, anywhere from 15 to $18 million a year, uh, whatever he really wants. I mean, negotiate it so that you don't come onto the – uh, come out just saying like we'll pay make you the highest paid safety right now but i mean if he wants to be i don't know I, i'd probably end up doing it I, I think he's a really good defender i think his contract actually hurt him this year i think the Bengals end up franchise tagging him and i bet we might end up seeing something similar to last year where it's a little inconsistent because that stuff weighs on players minds and he admitted that it weighed on his mind and he got better over the course of the season and then he got even better afterwards and in the playoffs he was as good as he's ever been i'd pay him uh, but i think the Bengals franchise tag him and let him play on that wow that's a powerful take on that I, I agree i would re-sign him as well for the simple reason who do you replace him with you know if you decide well we're gonna lowball baits and let him walk who do you bring in you know you're gonna chase another free agent that's not going to be as good you're still gonna have to pay money too i'm not even sure of the safety market out there or you have to draft one, and you have some other needs that you might want to put ahead of safety. You already have a guy who's a leader, proven himself, and Sands, you are right. I think he played his best ball in the postseason this year. So, yeah, I, I'm going to agree. Let's bring Jesse Bates back. Uh, I was just going to say, I don't think they – they definitely don't make the Super Bowl without him. Broke up four passes against the Raiders, intercepted a ball in the first play of the game against the Titans, made the key play on the interception on the Chiefs. He made a bigger play than Ron Bell, who uh, just – I mean, awesome catch, but he just had to stand there and catch it when Bates batted it to him and then made an interception in the Super Bowl. I mean, what more could you ask him to do? You know what? You're exactly right. And, you know, when we're talking about him, I kind of forget about all those plays, but, I mean, that's a handful of game-changing plays. So, yeah, very, very true on that end. All right, next player is one of my favorite Bengals, and for me it's a no-brainer to bring him back. What about Clark Harris? Easy, bring him back. Got you on that. I mean, hasn't messed up a snap in his career. He'd probably come in at about $1.2 million or so. It It is a no-brainer. What are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to get rid of him to save 500000 on some unproven guy? I, I think, you know, you go with this guy who's been just rock solid his whole career. Okay, another one that's a little controversial with Bengal fans. What about Eli Apple? <laughs> I don't know how much he's going to cost. Um, I think the issue you could run into here is that, yeah, he had a pretty good season, I'll buy it in the Super Bowl in the biggest moment. Not not a great look, but overall, outplay his contract. But the issue you run into is if you start looking at giving him three years, he's never put together two good seasons in a row. And if you start giving him something like that, I don't know. I'm not sure if the Bengals bring him back. If I guessed right now, I would say he ends up playing again for Cincy. But... Yeah, I, I would be worried about giving him anything more than another one-year deal, which he might have outplayed. He might have outplayed that. He might need a two- to three-year deal, and I'm not sure if I would do that. That's a good point on the length of the deal. You know, I was more thinking of the dollar amount with him, because the way he played during the second half of the year, you know, his dollar amount was climbing. The Super Bowl probably hurt his value a little bit. But yeah, you know what? You're right. If he hasn't put together too many consecutive good seasons, it's hard to sign him for what, like five, six million a year for three years? That That's kind of a big deal for an Eli Apple. So I'm going to agree with you there as well. What about Jordan Evans coming off a torn ACL? No idea. I don't think I'd bring him back because I think Batchy and um, I can't remember the other guy's name, but even he outplayed him uh, on the field. I mean, I don't watch special teams really, so maybe he does better special teams than those guys. But just watching, it's like we got younger guys that can fill this role. And really there's only two linebackers that 
any moment on the on the field because they play a three four base four two nickel. You never do the four. Well, they do a four three against the Ravens. I should <laughs> rephrase. But when Akeem Davis gave himself, that's his spot, and it's only one team. So I don't know. I don't think I bring him back, but I'm interested to see if the club does. Yeah, I agree with you there too. And when you think about it, you can get pretty much the same production out of younger, cheaper players because you know Evans is going to be on his second, well, actually his third deal if they were to re-sign him. So that would cost a couple million, and I don't know if that's worth it for someone that's really going to only play special teams and an older guy coming off a pretty major injury. What about Quentin Spain? <sighs> Another guy just like Apple that lost it in the biggest moment, gave up the game losing pressure, but overall had a pretty good season. I, before all the rumors started, I was more confident the Bengals would bring him back. But with looking at Andrew Norwell, who's only ever been a left guard, I'm not sure. I think it's another 50-50 on whether the club brings him back. And it's similar to Riley Reef in that you can't bring back just Quinn Spain, Riley Reef, Trey Hopkins, and try to just upgrade one position. So somebody's going to be left out. And I'm not sure who that'll be. Personally, I feel like I'd be fine... It depends on what I'm, what my plan is. If I'm going to sign Teron Armstead and kick Jonah to right tackle, then I'm going to let Reef walk for his four or five million, whatever he costs, and give that to Spain instead, along with probably another signing on the offensive line. But uh, yeah, I'm interested to see what happens. I I'm not sure what the club does. Yeah, and I think he's in the position Spain where if they do re-sign him, he's going to be battling for a starting spot. You almost see him like you said as a reef, almost like a swing guard that is your number three. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I know his price tag is not going to be that high, so that might be the reason they bring him back. But also what you said, I don't want to see them just bring back Hopkins and Reef and, and Spain and Jonah and say, all right, we just need one guy because you can see this line is a few pieces away from being you know, able to protect Joe Burrow properly. Okay, what about Mike Thomas, the wide receiver? I like Stanley Morgan more if they're going to choose one of the two guys, but Morgan is better when they bring him on offense and have him block. He's one of the better blocking wide receivers out there. Thomas is fine at doing that, but Stanley Morgan is almost like a fullback sometimes. Yeah, Stanley Morgan was blocking better than Auden Tate in that role when Tate went out, and Tate's a pretty big guy. So I hear what you're saying. I don't think they're going to bring back Mike Thomas either. I thought they were going to use him a little bit more in the passing game based on his first year with Burrow. There was seemed to be some some chemistry there, but I guess that's not the case. What about B.J. Hill? I think he comes back, but I'm not positive because he made a cryptic tweet about, like, had a fun time in Cincinnati uh, on to the next year or something, which definitely didn't make it seem like, uh, I'll see you guys next year. <laughs> it seemed like, okay, uh, moving on. But I think the club likes him. I think this may come down to Ogunjobi versus Hill, similar to the last uh, what last year or two years ago, depending depending on how you're going to think about it, but Hubbard versus Lawson, although this is a cheaper version of that. I don't think they sign both, although they could. I don't know. I think either Hill or Ogunjobi comes back. I agree with that, and I think that's a great comparison to the, to the Hubbard-Lawson battle as well. I'd like to see both of them come back because that was an amazing rotation that we had, but if they're going to bring one back, as well as, as, as good of a surprise that B.J. Hill was... I would still go with Ogunjobi, providing that he's healthy. What about Trey Flowers? 
I would bring Trey Flowers back, and I think they do. I think he'll be pretty cheap. He's got a specialized role for this team covering tight ends, and he did a good job at it. Yeah, if they can bring him back in that role for the right price, I agree. But, you know, if he's going to command four or five million, that's I think that's a little too much for what he's going to contribute. But I, I guess the team will decide that. What about Darius Phillips? I don't think he comes back. I, I think they... I don't think the team likes him that much. I, I'm not sure if that injury was really IR or if they were like, we're not going to cut you so you keep your salary, but you're not on the active roster anymore. They tried him at returner, and he was honestly pretty terrible. <laughs> Lost the 49ers game almost single-handedly. Yeah, I don't think he comes back. Yeah, I agree. They reduced his defensive role where he wasn't even a backup corner. He was basically just a kick returner and punt returner. And when you lose a game for a team, when there's only 16, 17 games in a season, you know, sometimes they're going to hold that against you. And I think that's exactly what happened with him. And what about Auden Tate? Uh, no, he doesn't come back. Uh, I don't think he liked being the fourth guy. I think somebody will probably give him wide receiver three money. He doesn't really fit the Bengals offense that well, just because Tyler Boyd's in the short area. T. Higgins is a big guy that works intermediate short area so there's no real room for him to have a spot because they need more deep threats than anything they have the short area guys uh but i could see another team taking a shot on him i agree and i think that's going to be on both ends i I was surprised how little they used him you figure with a lot of those five wide receiver sets he might be in there for some of them before he went down with injury and they just never seemed to look his way so yeah i think he's going to go to another team and i'm kind of pulling for him you know let him go to another team get those receptions, get more involved, and continue his career. But you're right, it's it's definitely not going to be in Cincinnati. All right, there's only two more categories. One is on to the restricted free agents, and these are guys that had three or fewer seasons that other teams can actually make an offer to, and then the Bengals would have the right to match. There's a whole bunch of different designations. I'm not going to bore you or the listeners with that. But the two restricted free agents we have, one is Stanley Morgan, who you just talked about before, so that's someone that you want to see back here and someone I definitely want to see back. And then the other one is is your specialty position. What about Fred Johnson? I don't think Fred's back. I think I think Isaiah Prince took his job as the third, fourth tackle, whatever it ends up being. He's not going to get any guard time because they have, I mean, Adenogy, Smith, Carmen, and those guys can also play tackle. I feel like they're just kind of where they are, and uh, I don't think he fits maybe on the practice squad. Yeah, you're right, and the fact that he was – only active for a couple games this year would probably show that they're they're going to move on from him. And maybe you're right. Maybe it is a practice squad situation. And now on to the exclusive rights free agents. And these are guys with three or fewer seasons that is, as long as the Bengals make these guys a minimum offer, they can't negotiate with other teams. So these four guys are kind of trapped with the Bengals if the Bengals want them. So I'm going to rattle through these four. You tell me yes, no, yes, no, whatever. Wyatt Ray. Uh, my feeling says no. Trenton Irwin. My gut says yes. I agree. Clay Johnston, one of those linebackers you were talking about earlier. Uh, my gut says yes, he takes Jordan Evans' spot. And lastly, what about Mil- Mitchell Wilcox, the tight end? My gut says no. All right. Well, there it is. You know, if they sign everyone that we talked about here, we could be looking at about 40 to 50 million in cap space. I know we have 58 now, and I think we get 5 million left over from last year. 
and then another 10 or so million from Wayne. So I think we're looking at somewhere around 72 million. And if these guys take up, you know, 45 of that, then, you know, we're, we're still looking at 20 plus million to spend on free agents. And Sands, we'll talk about this in the future episodes, what free agents from other teams that we're going to grab. But in the meantime, I want to say thank you for this contribution. I really agreed with you on almost every one of them. And how do people find you on social media? You can find me at Bengals underscore Sands on Twitter. Two thousand twenty one Cincinnati Bengals position group grades. All right, I get excited to do this every year, and that's review the entire roster, the entire position groups, and give them a little bit of an evaluation on how they perform this year. I'll tell you, there's going to be a lot of good grades because we were a Super Bowl team. Everybody played well. There's a lot of players on the rise, so I'm really looking forward to getting this off the ground. Quarterback, you have to give it an A. Joe Burrow, what have I not said that I've said before? The leadership, the accuracy, the reading defenses, the toughness, the mobility, throwing on the run, making the play calls, fitting in tight windows, throwing the deep ball, throwing the intermediate ball, throwing the shot. I mean, what can I say? The best player that the Bengals have ever had up to this point. I know he's a second-year player, but you can see the writings on the wall. He is the future, and we've never seen another like him before. And, you know, we'll see what the future brings. But I'm, I'm looking forward to Super Bowls and MVPs and eventually Hall of Fame with this guy. Am I speaking too early on this? Who knows? Anything can happen. But look at the way he's playing. Look at what he's done in his second year. He's just a winner. Wherever he goes, they win. And he brought that mentality here. He brought it to a four-win team and said, no, we're going to be winners and we were winners already in year two. Just look out for the future. So an A to Joe Burrow. And because of Joe Burrow, the whole room gets an A. Brandon Allen, I don't know if he's going to be back. And in all fairness, I don't really know how well the team's hands would be in his hands if he had to take over for Joe Burrow. So we're probably looking at a replacement for him. You know, he came in and started one game and did not look good this year. And you can say that's rust, but, I mean, you prepare for this all season. All training camp, you're a veteran in the league, you, you started five, six games last year, there's no excuse to come in and say, well, you know, he's rusty, that's the excuse why he's looking so bad out there. So you know it's not my policy to diss on our players, but I just don't think that Brandon Allen is our backup quarterback of the future, and I don't really feel like he's an asset to the team. Is he a good guy? Yes. Is he Joe Burrow's right-hand man, or was he this year? Yes. But, you know, when you're on the field, the performance there matters, and I didn't see it out of Brandon Allen despite his experience and despite the coaching and the game plan and the receivers. And then you have Jake Browning as the practice squad number three quarterback. If they don't re-sign Allen and they don't sign anyone else off the street, Jake Browning could be our backup next year. Haven't seen enough of him to know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but the reality is he could be on the roster for this year. So let's pull for him to grow and be able to do the job if something happens to Burrow. Running backs, A. Joe Mixon went to the Pro Bowl, was a force with over 1,000 yards, was a major force in the passing game, double-digit touchdowns, just everything you wanted from Joe Mixon you got this year, and we were very successful at the running back position. If he had some better blocking up front, it could have even been more of a monster season, but definitely gets an A. Samaj so P. Ryan had a very good year, too. I know he's kind of infamous in the playoffs for the one tipped ball that was an interception and the do-you-or-don't-you-dive at the end of the Super Bowl. 
you know, there was a couple things that kind of marred his name. But if you look at his contributions, he was excellent as a protector for Burrow. Made a lot of plays out of the backfield in the passing game. Had some big runs when needed. You know, he had that long touchdown against Baltimore, which is also a nice play by him. Contributed on special teams. Just a major asset to this team. Chris Evans was underutilized, but we all see flashes of how he could be involved in the passing game and be that third down back, maybe eventually get to the level of a Gio Bernard. So good things out of him and expect to see a lot more workload for him coming in 2022. Travion Williams, mostly on the practice squad, whenever he was brought up, he did the job. He definitely has a spot in this league. Unfortunately, this is a crowded backfield. And that's why he wasn't able to get a lot of time. So I don't know if he's going to be back or he's going to go elsewhere. But, you know, when called upon, he did his job. And Elijah Holyfield, we didn't see any of him this season. He was on the practice squad. The fact that they brought him back means they do like him. They have a great coach over there. So we'll see what happens in the running backs room and we'll move forward. But the five of them, or at least the three that played mostly, you guys get an A. Wide receiver, A. Yeah, quarterback, A. Running back, A. Wide receiver, A. Call me a homer. You know I love my Bengals. You know I love our Bengals. But am I wrong? Does, is Burrow not worthy of an A? Is Mixon not worthy of an A? Is Chase, Higgins, and Boyd not worthy of an A? Chase, Offensive Rookie of the Year, 1,400 yards, another 400 in the playoffs, double-digit touchdowns. You know, I came in saying if he gets 60 catches... 10 touchdowns, 1,000 yards, that would be a monster season. And he blew away all of those stats. So we have a dynamite, dynamic wide receiver for the future that's going to be in the top three of wide receivers in the NFL for years. Higgins, an amazing season too, a 1,000-yard season. So many clutch catches. We kind of get lost in Jamar Chase because he was so exciting and had a lot of big splash plays and a lot of deep plays. But Higgins did a lot of work for us this year. A lot of key first down conversions, a lot of contested balls over the middle, a lot of high-pointing balls that defensive backs couldn't get in key situations, just an electric receiver, and the fact that he's paired up with Boyd and Chase just makes him uncoverable. You just can't cover all three of those guys. Major contributor, future pro bowler in this league, so Chase Higgins, what a one-two combo. Tyler Boyd. Based on Burrow's rookie year, I thought that Boyd was going to have 100 receptions and be the go-to guy every game. It didn't quite work out that way because of the emergence of Chase and Higgins, but Boyd did a lot for us this year. Again, a lot of big third-down catches, a couple big touchdowns, a lot of big plays, blocking, leadership in that room, a threat that they couldn't sleep on. You can't double both Higgins and Chase because then Boyd's going to eat you up. There's just a lot of options there with him. So although he probably didn't have the numbers that he thought he was going to have, and he didn't have the numbers that I thought he was going to have, he had an excellent season and was a major contributor to a Super Bowl run. Stanley Morgan, a restricted free agent, so we're going to like to bring him back. And like I said on previous podcasts, he's going to be a player for us for the next five years. He's going to be like that Matthew Slater from the Patriots, just a special teams ace And, you know, it's not like you have six, seven wide receivers on your roster and they're all pass catchers because there's just not enough balls to go around, especially with Mixon and the big three. So you need one of those slots to be for a special teams guy, especially one like him who's an excellent gunner. And they had him there blocking a lot on offense as well. So he contributed in multiple ways without being a guy that necessarily had the ball in his hands all the time. 
Trenton Irwin, mostly inactive. He had that one nice catch early in the year, and I thought he was going to be like that number four, number five receiver when we went to five wides. The Bengals had different plans for him. He's still a very tough receiver. He's a restricted free agent as well, or an exclusive rights free agent. Either way, we get first dibs on him. And it's someone you want to bring back. You know, he catches the ball in traffic, shows toughness, good routes, good hands, you know, returned punts when we needed it. So just a positive guy that you want to have around and could easily be a number five or a number six wide receiver on this roster next year. Trent Taylor, who they just re-signed, had a great year. You know, they had him on the practice squad for the most part. He should have been the punt returner from week one. You know, when Darius Phillips had his problems, they finally had Trent Taylor in the lineup and the punt issues went away. Had a nice punt return in the Super Bowl. Just reliable hands. And a guy that you can plug in as slot receiver here and there. Even though they didn't do it much, they did it in the playoffs for that one two-point conversion. So that was nice when it was most important we were able to use him. Mike Thomas is a free agent. Not sure if he's going to be back. Another guy that I thought Burrow was going to target a lot because in Burrow's rookie season, he found Thomas quite a few times. And there just wasn't that much work for him this year. I guess he got hurt and he was kind of in and out of the lineup. And speaking of underutilized, Auden Tate, fan favorite, good guy, great receiver. There were times last year where he went up for the ball, you thought it was A.J. Green because of a similar body style, and you know the 1-9 the looks almost like a 1-8. And again, he got hurt and was never to be heard from again, but even before he got hurt, they didn't really use him that much. It's a shame. He's probably going to go elsewhere, but good luck. You know, He's going to go to another team and probably be like a number two or a number three receiver and get a lot of action. So, I, you know, I couldn't ask for anything more for a, a good man and a good player. And I wish it would have worked out better for him this year in Cincinnati. And the last wide receiver, Puka Williams, didn't really get much action. They brought him up to return kicks, which was my idea at the time. And he didn't really shine. It was only a game that he got a chance to. So it's hard to really show what you can do in such limited duty if you haven't done it in the NFL level before. Still a little worried about his frame. He just looks very, very slight out there. But he's got the moves and he's fast, and they did re-sign him to the practice squad. So maybe they keep developing him, and he becomes like this gadget weapon returner of the future for us. Tight end, I'm going to give a B-. minus For this reason, Uzama had a great breakout season, made a lot of big catches, won the game against Jacksonville with that huge fourth down catch, had a lot of run after the catch. Definitely growth from him, especially coming off an Achilles injury. You know, there was a time where I was like, we really need a tight end, and I still think that we do, but Uzama really filled in that TE number one, as they call it, this season and did a great job. But for as as well as he did, we saw Drew Sample not really excel and not really grow any. I mean, I guess his blocking got a little bit better, caught a couple passes here and there, but really wasn't a threat to opposing defenses. And that is a second-round pick, so you would have liked to have seen a little more development out of him and Mitchell Wilcox was mostly used as a blocker. I know he's quick and has good hands. They didn't really use him as a receiver this season. So again, that contributes to the B minus because we only really got production out of Uzama and the rest of the tight ends, really not that much out of Thaddeus Moss. We were all waiting for him to get into the lineup. I don't know why, because of the LSU connection and his father being a Hall of Famer, I just get excited to have him on the roster and hoping that he, you know, he comes in as this huge pass catching threat problem is injuries he was injured his whole rookie season and then he injured his hamstring on the one game he was going to come up and play this year and you know Burrow was going to hit him a couple times that game so a missed opportunity and that's rough on a player you know you get your big chance 
and you severely pull your hamstring in warm-ups. You know that he was jacked up, and that's why he did it. Probably a little tight and probably a little too jacked up, and there was a tweak that he was never to return from this season. They did re-sign him to the practice squad, so there's still hope for us Moss fans. We'll see what happens in the future. Mason Shrek was only brought up when there were some injuries. Another player that didn't quite pan out for us. You know, one of those draft picks, they don't always pan out. And I don't know if he's going to be back with the team this year as well. But, you know, at least he got his paycheck. He was on an NFL roster, and I'm sure he will sign with another team. And then Scotty Washington, who they signed late in the year to the practice squad, and they re-signed for next year. So they like him. And I think the deal with Scotty Washington was they were like, you're too slow to be a receiver. Why don't you bulk up and come back as a tight end? And that's exactly what he did. He put on like 30 pounds, changed his whole body, and now he's going to fight for a position in the tight end room. He's got great hands and you know receiver routes and hands, and now he bulked up as long as his frame can support the extra weight. You know, he might have a chance at contributing for the team in the future. Offensive line, there's no way to sugarcoat this. It's a D minus. It, it's a D minus. What am I going to say? Again, I don't like to diss on our guys, but man, the offensive line did everything they could to get Joe Burrow killed, and they almost did. The, the amount of hits and sacks that he took, even when they were under scrutiny, they, they just couldn't pull it together as a unit and, and rise above and say, no, we're going to change our narrative. They just, I, I hate it. Like, there are guys that I like uh, on the offensive line. I, it's not an indictment on all of them. But it was inexcusable how much of a pounding that Joe Burrow took. And when you have such a diamond of a player like that, if you continue to get him bashed, his career is going to be over. You know, they compare him to Andrew Luck. You know, David Carr was a quarterback years ago, first pick overall, just damaged goods from getting hit so much. It was sickening to see the amount of hits that Joe Burrow took this year. And in the Super Bowl, the MCL, I mean, we forget he had the dislocated pinky because of pressure. He had the throat injury because of pressure. His his left knee held up, surgically repaired, but he had right knee issues all year because of pressure. On NFL Network, they keep showing like random games from last year, and they were showing the Bengals-Ravens game. And you know, you kind of forget about all the individual plays that happen over the course of a season because there's just so much going on. But it was like the first offensive play of the game, and Quentin Spain literally gets bowled over by Calais Campbell, and Burrow gets assaulted and somehow squeezes out of it and rolls out and gets a pass off for a first down. Amazing play by Burrow. But it's it's so many of those things. Like, you know, you see the, what, the 70 sacks that he took over the course of the season in the playoffs. But there were so many hits. There were so many things that he got out of because of his skill. Trey Hopkins, you can't blame him totally because he was coming off a knee injury, you know, barely a year, not even a year removed from it. So he has some kind of built-in excuse. And I think in the Super Bowl, he played the best out of all of them. And then the other centers, Lamont Galliard, really never made his way into the lineup. When Hopkins was struggling and they put in Hill or when Hopkins was hurt, I thought that Galliard might have been a selection for that. But the fact that they didn't even use him means that he wasn't capable as, as, as well. Trey Hill, a rookie, you know, he got his chance up there, which is good. He got some playing time. Didn't really shine at center either, but, you know, we'll see. At least he got some valuable experience, and maybe in the future he can contribute. Jackson Carmen, you see the strength, you see the ability, you see the college resume. He just struggled from transition to being a guard. And remember, they drafted him with a back injury, and he barely plays in the Super Bowl because of a back injury. It was just like there was no surprises there. You, you kind of knew what you were getting. Quentin Spain, who's a free agent, 
he was my favorite lineman out of all of them, and I think he had the best season out of all of them. But there were some plays where, you know, he struggled as well, and he had a rough time in the Super Bowl against Aaron Donald, but who wouldn't? You know, I think that he's someone that you bring back. He did play the best out of all of them, in my opinion. Akeem Adenergy, we thought he was going to miss the whole season. Comes back about midway through, earns a starting position, and, you know, played decent in stretches and struggled in a lot of stretches. So we don't know what we have there. I really thought he was more of a tackle than a guard anyway, but they had him in at right guard for most of the playoffs in the Super Bowl. So that's where the Bengals envision him. Again, a young player, a real try-hard player, has the physical tools, has the quickness. You know, we'll see what the future brings for him, but not a great season out of Akeem Adenergy, unfortunately. Xavier Suafilo, you signed this guy two years ago, and he has a history of injury problems, and he comes to the Bengals, and he gets hurt early in Season 1, and he gets hurt early in Season 2. Deontay Smith, another guy who had injury problems this year, one of the rookies, I thought that he was the best out of all three of the rookies, out of Hill, Carmen, and himself. And they didn't really use him much when he came back. He was like an additional lineman in the Super Bowl. I think he played one. He had one start, and he played very well. Another guy where they, they were putting him in as guard, but I think he's more of a tackle type, Jonah Williams. I don't know what to say about Jonah Williams. The Bengals love him. He was a high draft pick. I heard him talk. He's a great guy. He's a team guy. He's one of the, it seems like he's one of the cornerstones they want to build around. I want to be careful what I say if I don't want to diss him too hard and get all the players mad at me. But Jonah Williams has underachieved as a Bengal so far. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Isaiah Prince had a rough time as well. Obviously, we saw in the Super Bowl, just like Adenergy, when he first came in, he had flashes of playing well. But as there was more tape on him and more games and more case history to go off of, you saw that he's not quite ready to be a starting offensive lineman in the NFL. And to his credit, he didn't expect to be a starter this year. But again, if you're a backup, it means that you can come in and play functionally. It doesn't mean that you come in and it's a total train wreck. Then why have you back up? Riley Reef, he's a free agent. I don't know if he'll be back. I wouldn't mind seeing him back as a number three tackle. He definitely brought some stability to that side of the offensive line. Played very well in stretches. Had a couple games where it wasn't spectacular, but if he would have played the whole season, he might have been a candidate for our best offensive lineman. And then Fred Johnson, another restricted free agent. I don't know if they're going to bring him back. He had one start this year, and he played great. So we'll see what the future holds for Fred Johnson as well. All right, defensive line, these guys get an A. Reader, Ogunjobi, Tupo, B.J. Hill, the best four defensive tackle tandem in the league. They had great seasons, all of them. Reader, we knew what to expect. Ogunjobi shined to the point you need to bring this man back. Tupo, it was nice to see him come alive. He's another free agent. So you have three of those guys are free agents, three of what we'll call the big four. So Ogunjobi, Tupo, B.J. Hill. B.J. Hill, the trade for Billy Price. You know, Billy Price struggled again with the Giants. B.J. Hill has a phenomenal season for us. Great playoffs. The big interception in the playoffs. Five and a half sacks. Starts as a defensive tackle, no problem. All four of these guys had spectacular seasons and were a major part on how we got so far. They were really shutting down the run games of other teams. And then the backups. Last year, we had to go to the street to get defensive tackles. And with how well the big four were playing and all the depth, I just never thought that would be a possibility this year. And injuries crept in, so we had to pick up Damian Square and Zach Kerr just for emergency help at that position. And those two guys came in, filled in well. I don't know what their future holds as Bengals, 
but they weren't liabilities when they were in there. Mike Daniels worked so hard this season. Again, you look at his Instagram. I don't think there's anyone who works harder than him. And he was on the practice squad most of the year, came up, got hurt. It would have been his opportunity to start in the playoffs, but he was hurt. And again, he's been in the league for a long time, had a lot of accomplishments. Maybe the Bengals will bring him back just for some depth. I'm not sure what his future holds. We talked about Rennell Ranaretti. You know, he was another guy that was on the practice squad most of the year. And when they needed him most, he was unavailable due to injury. So that's basically the chapter on Rennell Wren. And Tyler Shelvin, he's another one of those fourth rounders who you think is a steal at the time. And he still very well could be. He just had a real hard time getting on the field this year with the play of the four guys in front of him. So he was inactive most of the weeks, but they didn't put him on the practice squad because they knew another team was going to grab him. So we'll see how well he develops. If Ogunjobi Tupo or BJ Hill leave the team, then that'll open up Shelvin for some opportunities. Maybe that's all he needs. Defensive end, Trey Hendrickson was everything that we wanted and more. Major game changer. Big reason why we got as far as we did. Sam Hubbard had an excellent year. Had a huge playoffs. It seemed like when it mattered the most, he played the best. Like against the Raiders in the playoffs and against the Chiefs both times. Sam Hubbard is a star for this team. And it's great to see how well he played in important games. Because we're going to have a lot of important games in the future. And he looks like he's very much up to the task. Then you have Cam Sample, who I think was our most productive defensive rookie. Had a, a very good year playing defensive end, going inside, making some plays, showing that he totally belongs in this league and he's going to be a part of the rotation for years and years to come. So an excellent draft pick in the fourth round by us there. Khaled Kareem, hurt most of the year, has the huge play that saved the playoffs for us, I believe, against the Raiders, and plays with a fire. So again, he, he didn't get that many snaps, didn't have that much production, but he had a major play, one of the biggest plays of the season, and you get a guy that's coming in there where his motor doesn't stop. So he's got a spot in this team in the future as well. Wyatt Ray was a nice surprise. He's another exclusive rights free agent. So we have first dibs on him. Came from Tennessee. Played one year with them. He's a young player. And he came in and looked like a veteran. You know, he did a good job rotationally for us. And he's somebody that I, I would give a good grade to. And I'd like to see him back. And then Noah Spence... The veteran, they re-signed to the practice squad. It's always good to get a player that experienced and he had a pretty productive career. And you get him for not a lot of money, put him on the practice squad. He came up late in the year when we needed him for a game or two. Linebackers, I give a B to. And they're on the verge of an A because they played great. Logan Wilson really shined this year. He's showing that he can be a future pro bowler in this league. You know, the turnovers, the range. He started hitting harder than he did his rookie year. So a very exciting player and going to be a cornerstone for this defense for years to come. Jermaine Pratt was an animal this year, playing sideline to sideline, forcing turnovers. And if you look at Wilson and Pratt through the playoffs and the regular season, they had about 10-plus turnovers, and that's what you want to see out of your linebackers. We didn't get eaten up by running backs. I know we had the rough game against the Jets and the Browns kind of back-to-back -back where teams were doing damage with the back coming out of the backfield. But we got a handle on that, and that wasn't a year-long problem for us. We shut down most tight ends. We shut down most of the backs out of the backfield. And we had a very good run defense, and that's a tribute to your linebacking core. Marcus Bailey, very active on special teams, and got some snaps when we needed him when Wilson was hurt. So definitely filling that role of your number four linebacker. Another guy who's going to be here for the long term. I give him a good grade for this year as well. Akeem Davis-Gaither. 
he was having a very good year before he was injured. We're going to expect a lot of production out of him next year. And you kind of forgot about him. You know, when he got injured, you just forgot that you had him. So watch, when he's back next year healthy, mixed in with Wilson and Pratt, one year older, one year wiser, and Bailey, that's a pretty strong group that we have returning there. The, the four young linebackers that all move very well and hit pretty hard. Clay Johnston was a nice pickup, you know, as a backup. He came in, made the big tackle on Henry in the playoffs. So if that was his only contribution and it saved a playoff win, I would say that's a major plus. Keandre Jones got brought up into the heat of battle because of injuries, so it was nice to see him get some experience. Austin Calitro is a monster. He plays so hard and so aggressive and so angry out there. It was like he, he almost got into like three fights the one game that he got a start. I know he went down with an injury. And Joe Bocci, same thing. Another young linebacker who got hurt. He played pretty well when he went in there for Logan Wilson. And then, of course, he got injured, so he couldn't see the season through. But I think that he's another guy that you retain. I was coming into the season saying that we needed a linebacker. And with this lineup, unless there's some spectacular free agent or a major slip in the draft... I think you're all right with this linebacking core. There's enough youth there and enough production that I think it's I think we're going to be okay at that spot. And then Jordan Evans, the veteran, he's a free agent this year. He was having a decent year on special teams and becoming a spot blitzer here and there. They they developed a role for him. Then he tears his ACL. So unfortunate for him. He probably would have had a, a productive season and would have helped us down the stretch, but that didn't happen because of that ACL. Defensive backs, I give an A minus two. Chidobi Awuzie, now we all know how to say his name because of how well he played. That's a pro bowler. Sensational year in coverage, in tackling, leadership, you know, athleticism, just the whole package. Another great signing. And when you have a bunch of good free agents that you sign, like your Hendricksons and your Hiltons and Awuzie, Ogunjobi, Reeder, Bell, all those guys, and you mix that with the drafting of a Burrow, a Higgins, a Chase, a McPherson, you're going to be a perennial winner and a perennial threat for the Super Bowl, and we're seeing that here because of the success of, of the free agents and draft picks and the players that we had. Eli Apple overachieved. What a great year out of him. I know he was everybody's dog for the Super Bowl. I don't know if anybody could have done any better in that position. He came in for a low price, all the athleticism in the world, struggled a little bit in the beginning of the season, and then became an effective number two starting corner. And I'd like to see him back. You know, we'll see what his price tag is going to entail. But I give Eli Apple a very good grade this year. And he played excellently in the playoffs. Aside from, you know, the Super Bowl, which everyone gets on him for, he had a great run in the playoffs. So we'll see what happens with Eli Apple. But, you know, if I'm giving out grades, Eli Apple would get an A-. Mike Hilton, outstanding. He had the big pick six against Pittsburgh, which was great. No matter what the records are, you love to see that to ice a game. Coming off the edge, blitzing. Didn't have the sack numbers that he had with Pittsburgh, but it's a different defense. Caused a lot of disruption. Another reliable tackler. Was pretty good in coverage. Another guy we haven't signed for another three years, I believe. And he's going to be contributing to a lot of big wins for this team. Trey Waynes made more money than Trey Hendrickson this year. Trey Waynes made more money than Jamar Chase. You want me to keep going on? Trey Waynes made a lot of money and was injured again and... I guess he played two games at corner, let up one big play. And then in the playoffs, you're seeing him on punt coverage and or, you know, kick coverage. And it was like, wow, they don't always all work out. 
Jalen Davis did everything he could to win that backup slot corner spot and then barely saw duty. That's one of those things. You're watching him battle the whole year for a roster spot. You're rooting for him at the end of training camp and end of preseason, almost like a six or seven wide receiver. You know, you're so happy he made the roster, and then you barely see his number on the field the whole year. But that's the nature of the beast. Darius Phillips, they just dropped him lower and lower in the corner mix this year and had him focus on returning. He was having a decent year returning, but we all knew that that dam was going to burst at one point. You could just feel it. Made a couple bad decisions, caught a couple balls awkwardly, and then had the disastrous game where he fumbled a couple times and, and caused us to lose. And it doesn't look like anyone wants him back, so we'll see what happens with Darius Phillips. Trey Flowers, a great midseason acquisition for a low amount of money. Former first-rounder, a ton of starts in the league. They ended up having him cover tight ends, as we all know, and he did a pretty good job at it. So a very good grade to him, and he's probably someone they're going to bring back next year as well. Vernon Hargraves, another first-rounder that they got for cheap midseason. You figure he's on the street, he's got all that talent, maybe they'll get lucky like they did with Apple and Flowers, but Hargraves barely saw the field. I think he had one interception when he was in there. His most infamous moment was running onto the field and costing us a penalty in the Super Bowl, and he's a free agent, and I think just out of principle, they're not going to be bringing him back. And then John Brandon was a practice squad corner who they signed midseason, and they re-signed him for next year, so they obviously like him, and we'll see if he can fight for a roster spot next year as well. Safeties, Jesse Bates didn't have the same year as he had the year before, but an exceptional year. You forget how many times he was the last line of defense that made a tackle that saved a touchdown, You don't always see that on the stat sheet, but I see it watching the games. He's a major contributor to this team. He's another one that had a phenomenal playoff run, did great in the Super Bowl. So he's a free agent. You know they're going to bring him back, and whatever it takes, please do. He's a leader. He's a young player. You know, he could be here for another five years of playoff runs and another excellent season out of Jesse Bates. Von Bell, just an enforcer back there, making every tackle necessary. Another guy, you see the amount of tackles that he had, but you forget how some of those tackles were so important to stopping first downs, preventing big gains, and preventing touchdowns. A leader, a tough guy, a veteran who's still got a lot of mileage left on him. Great season out of him. Bates and Bell, you know, one of the top three safety tandems in the league, if I'm not mistaken. Mike Thomas was another Mike Thomas that they brought in to play safety, and he played a couple games for us. You know, I didn't really see that much of him. He was the number three safety when Ricardo Allen was hurt. We saw Ricardo Allen retired. He was fairly productive when he was in there. We all forget about Brandon Wilson. He's coming back. He's going to be the number four safety next year, and we're going to have our kick returner back. Tough coming off the ACL, but he's been rehabbing hard. He was our MVP a couple years ago, so let's not forget about Brandon Wilson. It's going to be excited to have him back. And Trayvon Henderson, they re-signed to the practice squad, and he was on the practice squad most of the year as he's been for most of his career. They love him. You know, you, you bring him up and he makes plays. He had the interception uh, pick six, I believe, against the Browns. The specialists, A, how can you argue? McPherson, you know, future All-Pro, he's the Joe Burrow of kickers. Just an amazing value for the fifth round. We got a fifth rounder who's not a rotational defensive lineman or a a corner that plays special teams or a number four or five linebacker. We got a fifth rounder who was directly responsible for three wins 
and showed that he is going to be fighting Tucker for the best kicker in the league. Kevin Huber, solid year. I know he's getting older. Maybe the leg isn't as strong as it used to be. He's battling a little bit of a hip injury through the year, but you never heard him complain about it. Despite his kicks maybe having a few less yards per attempt, you look at his touchbacks versus inside the 20s, and it's lights out. Not a lot of costly touchbacks and plenty of kicks inside the 20. So I hope that the Bengals re-sign him. I'd like to see him around for at least another year or two. And Clark Harris, the Hall of Famer Clark Harris, never a bad snap in his whole career. And I was like, I just didn't, you know, as those long snappers get older, you worry that they're going to get the yips at the worst time. Not him. He is just a unique breed. All through the big games to end the season, to get into the playoffs, all through the playoffs, the Super Bowl, nothing phases him. Just everything, a perfect snap every time. As I've said before, if everyone did their job like Clark Harris, we would have multiple Super Bowls and never lose a game. And then Drew Christman, he was the bouncing guy this year who was, they cut him, they brought him up, they put him on the practice squad, they waved him like five or six times, packing his bags and coming back and whatnot. But I think they have eyes on him being the punter of the future, so they want to keep him around in some capacity. We didn't see anything out of him this year, but I hope that he's learning from Coach Simmons and from watching Kevin Huber and getting himself ready for when Huber's ready to retire, he can come in and be our punter for the next decade. On to the coaching staff, just straight A's across the board, really. Coach Taylor, Coach Anarumo, Coach Callahan, Coach Pitcher. You, you can run down all of them. I think one of the underdogs who I want to give an A-plus to is Coach Justin Hill, the running backs coach. If you think about how you manage your individual positional group, no matter who we put in at running back, they were ready to play and ready to contribute at a high level. And that's a tribute to the players, obviously, but that's also a big tribute to the coaching staff. So I hope that Justin Hill stays around on this team because he had an outstanding year coaching. I guess the only coaches that I wouldn't give an A to, I would say Coach Casey, the tight ends coach, and it's no fault to him. I mean, he, he got a great year out of Uzama, but it just felt like everyone behind them didn't take a step forward. And again, you don't know if that's on the players or the coaches, but you know, I guess it has to fall on the coach, right? If, if a head coach is unable to develop his rookie first-round quarterback, you see that head coach get fired. And I don't want Coach Casey to get fired. I'm not saying that. But if you, you, know, you look at these young players like Sample, Wilcox, Moss, and you don't get that much production out of them, I guess you have to give the tight ends coach less than an A. So I give Coach Casey a B-. And the other coach that doesn't get an A is everyone's favorite positional coach, Coach Pollock. Now, you know it's not on him. You know the intensity is there. He got the running game going as the running game coordinator excellently. He has all the techniques and all the wisdom and all the drills and everything. He's, he's obviously a great coach, but I'm going to have to give him a C because of how his unit performed. And if you think about it, the rookies, none of them really jumped out. Jonah Williams, I guess he had a better year than normal, but it felt somewhat lateral. You know, Prince and Adenogy, they struggled a lot. There was a lot of confusion on who was playing where. Now, believe me, I think Coach Pollock is going to be a great asset to this coaching staff for years to come. But if you have to give a grade based on his unit's performance, if the offensive line is a D- and the rookies didn't really develop as they should have, then I have to give Coach Pollock a C, unfortunately. 
That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be another roundtable edition featuring Sands, Tom McLevy, Justin Lacey, and a special surprise guest. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.